Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 4, Episode 12. Today we're talking about The Changeling from 1980, directed by Peter Maydak. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. Oh, and I'm Tony from Hack the Movies. Welcome to The Dumpster. So yeah, what's up, Tony? Tony from Hack the Movies is back in the dumpster. I'm back, baby, and I'm here to talk about the Changeling. Oh hell yeah! Oh, we're ha- we're hacking the movie dumpster. We're closing out this fucking month with a bang. Yeah, I love Angelina Jolie, and I think this is a great movie. <laughs> you know, Clint Eastwood is one of the greatest directors of our time. He is. He is. Not sure why you're doing it on movie dumpster. I think this movie's pretty good, but I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to tell you how to run your show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're talking about the classic ghost haunted house movie uh, from 1980, starring the wonderful uh, George C. Scott, my favorite alcoholic actor. He's so great. Oh my goodness, that red nose freak! I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I always associate this uh, version of George C. Scott because I always look at it like two different versions of him, like the younger version and the older version. But the older version, I'm always like, oh, that's Scrooge, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing, uh, man, I, it's this film and Exorcist 3. Those are the two big ones for me, and those are the <laughs> ones that I think about the most often. I had no idea he was in Exorcist 3 because I've never seen it. Oh, it's great. Oh, yeah, he's the star of Exorcist 3. It's great. Yep, that's his last film, I think. Oh. Uh... No, I think he was in the made-for-TV Titanic film. Oh, perfect. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as of this recording, Tony, you got a brand new episode coming up. And by the way, yeah. for the people that don't know who you are, I know you're very famous and important, but I'm sure some of our listeners don't know you. They're very famous and important. Can you uh, tell the good people about yourself? I am Tony from Act the Movies. I used to be on a show called Rental Reviews on Cinemasker, uh, but then that got canceled, and now I do a completely original new show that isn't based on anything called uh talking about tapes where i review movies is that one soon to be canceled too i mean reddit's tried but uh so far it's good (laughs) (laughs) they love you over there yes and uh in case you guys are wondering uh george c scott's last film was the remake of inherit the wind in 1999 oh really okay Okay. yeah well for me that was his last film exorcist 3 how does that sound okay okay but yes uh where can everybody find you at uh hackthemovies.com and uh what youtube yeah hack hack the movies youtube yes youtube hack the movies hackthemovies.com you can get our podcast feed where it's just the audio versions of our episodes and uh yeah just just type in hack the movies don't go to reddit and you'll find me (laughs) everywhere (laughs) (laughs) don't go to reddit go listen to castilla versus the pod monster yes that's a good one that's a good good podcast that i'm on joe and myself have both been on that yes we've actually been on both shows yeah yes interchangeably (laughs) the incestuous relationship continues (laughs) and we uh last month we did that uh annabelle crossover commentary right yeah that kind of that kind of spawned uh uh, this episode go back if you guys if you're not signed up for uh the movie dumpster patreon or the hack the movies patreon or both uh you should probably go sign up for both right now go listen to that fucking uh audio commentary track of uh of uh annabelle yes everyone do that right now (laughs) shut this off go sign up we'll be here when you get back (laughs) all those things we forgot when we did that ripe reviews on the conjuring three 
it's all in that commentary track. <laughs> it's all there. In fact, I think uh, the two stars of the Conjuring series make an appearance in this film. One could say that. Yeah. Or at least they're doppelgangers. Yeah. Look, George C. Scott looks a hell of a lot more like uh, Ed Warren than uh, Patrick <laughs> Wilson does. Yeah. Well, that's not who I was talking about. Oh, okay. But yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so this uh, this film's directed by Peter Maydeck. I think this is one of your favorite directors, isn't it, Tony? I love Species Two. He, he he. That's one of your favorite films, Species Two. Species Two is great. I love Species <laughs> Two. I have an action figure of the monster from Species Two, the movie maniac. <laughs> uh, what was his name? Adam, I think, the big one. Oh, because Eve. Yeah, Adam and Eve. I guess. Yeah. What that wasn't his name. Patrick was his name. Oh, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Why, I always think he's Adam. <laughs> I'm sensing a little sarcasm between you two. I've never seen Species 2, so is this... Uh... No, I actually really like Species 2, but it is not a good movie by far. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's fun. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, no. Uh, but it's not as good as this film, that's for sure. Oh, no, this film's great. No, yeah. I saw this for the first time, like, last year, when I got Shudder and I was going through, like, the old Joe Bob things. I'm like, oh, Changeling, I've always heard of that. And then I finally watched it. Really? So, yeah, this movie's, like, really, really, really good. And then I uh, rewatched it this morning. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just I really love George C. Scott. Mm. And I, like classic old ghost stories and stuff and this like does both it's solid it's a solid film oh man if there was ever a classic ghost story it's this film um it's Mm -hmm. fantastic i mean it's probably it's probably the best it's my favorite haunted house movie easily and i have to admit this is my first time seeing this and this is like my favorite subgenre of horror so i i'm a little uh i feel a little naked right now but now that i've seen it i feel pretty good about it well there you go yeah you've added it to the list (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh quick note on this director too because i thought that uh joe would appreciate this uh, he also directed a episode of Tales from the Crypt called The New Arrival. I was j- just getting to that with uh, <laughs> with uh, David Warner and uh, Zelda Rubenstein. Yes, from Poltergeist, another great ghost movie. I like David Warner. Oh, I love David Warner, dude. Um, that episode is fantastic. Does it play a lot like this film? Yes, but there is a, a certain... Um, in the flesh uh, 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 monster in that film. That's also got the Shadow uh, Master in there. Robert Patrick's in there. Oh. He's got to be in that for like a second because I don't remember him from that. <laughs> he plays Lothar. Whoever the fuck that is in the in that. Oh, we all know Lothar. Yeah, Classic Lothar. <laughs> he was looking for Bimmy and Jimmy. Let's be perfectly honest. Where's the medallion? Where's the other half of it? I know what's in this house somewhere. David Warner, help me out here. <laughs> it's, in, it's in a fucking well, apparently. <laughs> that, oh, it's in a well. Yeah, the old dude, double dragon, the, the changeling, uh, uh, semicolon, the, or uh, excuse me, colon the double dragon. Yeah, an old man and a ghost are going to fuse. <laughs> so, so before we get into the movie itself, I just want to preface it with the fact that this is based on a real-life quote-unquote ghost story. Just like all those real ghost stories and, uh, and exorcisms that The Conjuring is based on. They're very real stories. <laughs> right, right, right. I call them lies, yeah. but, you know, you're the host. I'll, I'll follow your lead, but that's okay. They're not hoaxes. They're not hoaxes. They're not embellishments. Uh, they're not made up at all. Oh, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it was an original story by this guy, Russell Hunter, who was apparently a composer and a writer. And um, everything in the story like in the in the film is like almost like beat for beat for the story um you got the fucking hidden staircase that he finds and the child's uh, um you know accoutrement if you will the fucking music box and, and a journal and shit right now the problem with the story is is none of this shit can be proven because he couldn't 
he he never provided these pieces of evidence, right? Yeah. Well, he gave it to a senator, and then that was the end of that. <laughs> well, it turns out, like, in real life, it turns out there was, like, no records of him living at this fucking house. Oh, oh so he didn't even live there? No! <laughs> Shocker. Or the family he purported to have lived there. Uh, none of it, like, it was completely fabricated. Excellent story, but 110% fabricated. So it's like Am- Amityville Horror, basically. Yeah, straight up. Or it's like, oh, we're just liars. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a good storyteller. Yeah. Arguably better than Ed and Lorraine. <laughs> he wrote his own material. <laughs> he uh, that th- actually that the original house was supposed to be in Denver, Colorado, not uh, Washington, uh, Seattle. There's a there's an actual park down the street in Denver called Cheeseman Park, and that has a fuck ton of ghost stories attached to it. Why he decided to choose this house and make up a bunch of bullshit, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> but hey. That's fine. You couldn't even find a fucking name that was that, that was relative to the house, for goodness sake. <laughs> anyway, Tony, as the guest, would you like to uh, plot crunch this film right quickly? Oh, of course, of course. Uh, George C. Scott, he's a musician, and then his family dies, and he's sad about that. So then he goes to be a college uh, professor in another town, and then he investigates a murder for some reason. <laughs> Because when you're white and you have a lot of money, that's what you do. <laughs> money and time. Yeah, he's just, like, I never see him, like, I mean, he, he hangs out with, like, students and stuff, but I'm like, well, this guy, I never see him, like, writing up a lesson plan or... No. I think we only ever see him in class once, and then the students are at his house once, and it's like, okay. And at some point, I'm just like, is he even, is, is he, like, Indiana Jones? It's like, hey, aren't you a teacher? What are you doing? Like, why are you over here? <laughs> I'm playing piano. Go f- shut up somewhere. I'm playing I'm playing, and I'm smoking. He has, like, a premonition, and then he just turns into fucking Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, and at no point does the college go like, hey, uh, Mr. Scott, <laughs> you, you didn't show up for class today, and everyone's uh, pretty upset about that. Everybody's going easy on him, right, because of his wife and his kid? They're like, ah, if he doesn't show up, whatever. Yeah. Also, he's the greatest pianist in the world, because when he uh, goes to the college, everyone is there not just the students like everyone in the university is there to see him yeah he's like oh i thought i saw 23 people signed up (laughs) yeah if he was that famous he would not be teaching at that college (laughs) i think that's the thing is it's just like a getaway and that's just like a cover for to make some money right like oh yeah come quote unquote teach yeah and he's like he just shows up drunk and plays the piano and he's just like that's your lesson goodbye hey do you uh do you think peter from black christmas was in that audience Getting some tips? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you think George smashed the fucking piano with a with a microphone stand at the end of the movie? <laughs> That's where he got the idea from. <laughs> I saw this really famous musician do it. Come on. <laughs> I failed my thesis, man. Uh, this movie opens in a, a really effective way, but also in a really fucked up way. Oh, it's a banger, dude. It sets the, the whole tone for the film. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty sad. You know, he's... Their, their, their car is broken down, but they're not too beat up about it. They're, they're like, laughing about it. Uh, and he goes to the payphone to call someone, and then the, the mother and child decide to just throw snowballs at each other on the side of the road like idiots. <laughs> and then there's, like, a wacky, cartoony <laughs> crash, <laughs> and then George C. Scott forgets how to open up a door. Yeah, they lock you in those things after you uh, put the change in. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, like... It's not locked. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing there? You have to pull, George. You don't push, okay? I, I would have believed that he was too far away to get them in time. I don't think they needed to do the locked in a, t- in a phone booth thing. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, he would have been slip sliding all over that road anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was, it's a very effective opening. Yeah, because this uh, like Mack truck 
basically hits their car, and then their car runs over both of them, and then, uh, yeah, I, I thought maybe, okay, maybe one of them will live, but no, they are just uh, D.E.D. dead. Yeah, they're, they're gone. Oh, it's Splatter City, dude. And then we uh, we cut to four months uh, later. Well, real quick, because we're not going to talk about her again because she's dead. <laughs> uh, his wife in the beginning play, is played by Jean Marsh. That woman is, will come up again in Tales from the Dark Side uh, in the episode Answer Me, which is a great fucking episode. I can't wait to get to that. I just wanted to make a side note, put a fucking pin in that. And since you did mention that his wife's not going to come up again, yeah, she doesn't at all. He He's mourning his daughter, but he's never like, oh, my wife died. He's always like, my daughter! Died. Oh yeah, he does seem to focus more on the daughter. <laughs> I mean, I guess I kind of get it, but also I was like, you left your wife out to hang to dry. Yeah, it's like it's like Batman and Batman Begins. He's constantly talking about his dad, just like he never mentions his mother at all. I don't think he mentions his mother <laughs> until the third movie when when he's talking about the pearls. No, that third movie that I'm in, by the way, I almost forgot to mention that. Oh yeah, I think that's in your <laughs> contract, right? You have to mention it. Yeah. By the way, if you guys want uh, your your Dark Knight Rises posters or paraphernalia sign make sure you send it to, to tony at hack the movies he'll sign it for you sean will vouch for me we get <laughs> so many every week i wasn't i was expecting three tops <laughs> we just get so many dark knight rises dvds to sign i'm surprised joe hasn't had you sign his because i heard that's his favorite in the trilogy well yeah it's everyone's favorite i love it so much i don't even own it how about that <laughs> <laughs> oh come on it's not that bad it sucks balls but anyway Besides, besides the best Batman movie, let's get back to cha- Changeling, <laughs> which I almost called the channeling. The channeling. <laughs> I'm channeling some bullshit through this. Yeah, I don't like the title of this movie. I, I I know it's something, but I'm like, I don't know, Changeling. Well, when we get to it, I'm gonna explain. I'm gonna learn you what a Changeling is and why. Okay, it should have been called uh, Look Out, Spooky Ghost Ball. The, the, yeah. the switching. The switching. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, the switching. The the pounding real late at night. Like I would have seen that. <laughs> Bat bathtub basketball. That's what it should have been called. <laughs> so he uh he moves to Seattle to kind of get away from things. Mm-hmm. And uh he's constantly like reminded of his daughter. He stays like at a friend's house. They're like, Oh, how long are you gonna stay in that hotel room? Just stay here. And he sees a little girl. He's like, Ah, I'm gonna find a place. I love that because their their kids come in and he actually sees his daughter as one of the kids. Yeah. Right. It's a great that's a great scene. Like just a uh, how he's like, you know, dealing with his uh, his loss and shit like that. Never sees his wife, though, by the way. Yeah. He also sees his uh, daughter with this like bouncy ball that comes up a ton in this movie, which, uh, you know, like I said, I hadn't seen this till now. But when I was on uh, talking about tapes a-, a couple months back for The Conjuring, which is going to come up a lot in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Tony, you were telling me, oh, yeah, this is from like the uh, the changeling with the ball jumping out in the uh, basement. And now I'm like. As this movie progressed, I was just counting on my hand the number of things that James Wan stole from this fucking movie and repurposed. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people probably have stolen from this movie. Sure. Oh, yeah. The guy who directed The Others, I think, that one with Nicole Kidman, I think he he fucking cribbed a bunch of shit. I mean, it's it's touted as one of the best haunted house movies ever, because it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, you know, if it works... Do it again. Rip it off, baby. Just like uh, rental reviews. If it works, just... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's very original. Very original show. Wait, what? <laughs> Never heard of it. Just don't know what you're talking about. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, he ends up... he uh, Again, white white dude with too much money. Uh, it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to pick up and move to Seattle and rent a giant fucking mansion so I can play piano in it or something. 
And he does. <laughs> I do kind of love this, uh, the, the look of this mansion. It gets the uh, feeling across very quickly that this place is a creepy fucking haunted house. And George C. Scott's like, huh, looks pretty good. I'll take it. Oh, it's gorgeous, dude. Uh, fun fact, that whole front of the mansion is a Victorian facade that they like put on the front of some other mansion because they couldn't find one that looked good enough, apparently. That's crazy. So they just they were just like, all right, fuck it. Shoot it from the front and we'll just make it all fake. Ugh, how come ghosts are always... Why, why? What is it about mansions that always seem to house the spirits of the dead? Like, you never... There's a lot of places to hide in there, Tone, you know? Yeah, but, like, you never hear of, like, you know, just, like, a bar where someone choked on some food, like, the ghost haunting that. <laughs> it's like, oh, that ghost is back at table three. Like, oh, uh, like... <laughs> You you figure like 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 heroin dens and like crack dens would have tons of ghosts. No, it's always just the mansions where the ghosts are hanging around. Well, it's it's some some rich motherfucker doing bad shit. That's what it is. <laughs> Nobody cares about the little guy choking on a fucking chicken wing and shooting up in a fucking well, you know, sewer. Of note, the realtor that shows him around who ends up being kind of like the secondary protagonist in this movie, uh Claire Norman is played by George C. Scott's wife, Trish Van Devere. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I didn't realize until Joe Bob pointed out, but like he was married to her, I think. And uh, he just he put her in like a ton of movies like they were a package deal, apparently. Yeah, this I was reading. This was the eighth film in a row they had done together. And it was actually marketed with that as part of the uh, campaign. Like, oh, it's their eighth movie together. Come see it. Oh, sure. So, uh, By the way. She was actually fine in this. Like, it's not a case of, like, oh. Yeah. Like, uh, the first Scream movie. Remember when the two girls are in the uh, the bathroom making fun of Sydney or whatever? Right. And they're, like, the worst actresses ever. It's because one of them was uh, Skeet Ulrich's girlfriend. He made them put her in a movie. <laughs> it's not like that. She actually does. She's also a good actress. Yeah, it's not like Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sherry Moon could be good once in a while, but it's like, well, Rob, you should have got, like, literally anyone else for this role. Somebody else. <laughs> and then I think of Yoga Hosers, and I just fucking sigh. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. She was good. Uh, Johnny Depp's daughter was good in that Voyagers movie. Eh, whatever. Yeah. It was fine. Uh, yeah, but uh, Trisha Vanderveer is in The Hearse and Messenger of Death, too. Those are some fucking good flicks. Without George C. Scott is what I <laughs> what is what I meant to say. Yeah. So then he takes the place because it is a uh, it has a piano in there, and I guess he just likes the look of it. So then we uh, jump cut to I suppose the next day or several days later, and he's already practicing. The place is all cleaned up. Oh man, I love this long tracking shot. So so dig the entirety of the the mansion interiors w were sets, right? So like The Shining. Yeah, well, yeah. Was it was The Shining all set? Yeah, it was. Oh yeah, the interior and yeah. The like, exterior was also a set. I think so, yeah. Tony, weren't you the one that was telling me about that, like, uh, mistake in The Shining with the hedge maze? Oh, yeah. If you look at all the aerial shots of the Overlook Hotel and The Shining, there's no hedge maze. <laughs> like, it only exists on the soundstage. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Garris, when he did his version, he was like, we're going to get this right this time, damn it. <laughs> but these long tracking shots they, they they can pull off in this fucking place are just really great. Um, and there's, you know, so it, it's always this, like this huge hallway shot and like coming around the corner and like he's playing piano or he's on the fucking phone later there's one that's like there's like a big uh, uh like 360 pan around the room it's really fucking cool yeah 
Solid cinematography. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the lighting is amazing. So this is the scene where you first kind of get an inkling that something's wrong. If if you know, like, the outside of the house didn't already give you that uh, feeling. Because he's, like, playing on the key, or he's playing on the piano, and one of the keys won't make any sound. <laughs> he's playing on the key. He's playing on his synthesizer. <laughs> he's, he's really going nuts. He's playing a little uh, dubstep. He's breaking out the synth wave. <laughs> He's got his turntables in front of him. They hate this, and then he just plays the two high keys? Yeah. (laughs) But the one key won't make any sound, and he's, like, kind of perplexed by that, but then he gets up the end of the door, and then uh, the camera zooms in, and, of course, the key moves on its own. I I, I get that the ghost pressed the key, but how did it just fix Ah. the piano and make it make the sound? Did it also fix... I think it was holding the cord, right? Like, that's the thing? I don't know. Sure. (laughs) Why are ghosts assholes? Like, why? Like, it's just like, oh, I'm undead and I I have unfinished business. I'm going to open up a door slightly. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's cool, ghost. This ghost can clearly talk and communicate. Just fucking talk to George C. Scott. Why are you fucking fucking with this piano? <laughs> Throwing balls down the fucking hallway, banging on your tub. Or, yeah, talk to anyone. Just like <laughs> the day you died, you could have been like, hey, guys, I'm dead. I'm upstairs. <laughs> so this is when he goes to that uh, that lecture where he has all these students. Right. And uh, he's like joking around with them. Yeah, yeah. It's like his first day of class, but everyone's so impressed that he's there. That he even makes a joke. He's like, well, it's not raining and nor is there a fire. So I don't think I think some of you here aren't supposed to be here. And like you see, like they're standing in like the walkway and stuff because he's just so amazing. Here's a here's a piano piece. I did. Maybe you heard this one. And then it cuts to this fucking like, you know, uh, a fully orchestrated ensemble of like his work and everybody schmoozing and drinking champagne and shit. And then we get introduced to like Claire's mother, which I thought that was going to go somewhere and it never really does. Not whatsoever. (laughs) The key takeaway for this scene is you're introduced to the you find out later he's like an antagonist. But at first, he's just some like sleazy politician. This guy, Carmichael, the Senator Carmichael. Yeah. Melvin Douglas, by the way, uh He's uh he's in Ghost Story. You guys ever see that? I don't know. No, but I was reading about it that it was his last movie and Fred Astaire's in it apparently. Oh, dude, excellent, excellent flick. We'll we'll, we'll come back to it. Anyway, does he tap dance with a fucking ghost? You know he doesn't. <laughs> oh. I have not seen Ghost Story. <laughs> it's a great flick. So, uh so he fucking goes home and like through th- like throughout the rest of this uh movie he's like hearing this fucking loud banging at like like super early in the morning and this fucking water dripping all over the place yeah the sound design in this is fucking awesome um and it's pretty like they do a really good job of making it spooky as hell it's good it's good and it reminds me of uh the haunting yeah the first haunting based off the the haunting of hill house book uh, cause that's a movie where he, like, it's implied that there might not even be ghosts, same with the book. Yeah. Uh, but no, there's a lot, there's a section in that movie where there's just a lot of big banging constantly. And, uh, I think, I think Changeling might have borrowed from that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, may, I, at least that, like, it's a plot point, right? It's, it's not yeah. just like, oh, I heard a banging. James Wan, where's the three bangs? <laughs> right. Uh, that means there's a demon. <laughs> it's not Ed Warren stepping on a plank and hitting a fucking pipe in the attic. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, the, the conjuring, he's like, oh, let me look. Let me let me show you. Just step on this pipe, and then, like, Satan growls. Like, yeah, it's just pipes. Yeah, yeah fuck it, you're fine. I do kind of love, though, how George C. Scott, like, he has somewhat of an open mind, but he's not immediately, like, buying it. He's like, ah, something's weird, but I don't know. Like, ghosts, ah. It's also the thing where, like, you know, 
people who are in like a depression or are super sad or had some kind of, uh, you know, life altering event happen to them are more susceptible to like paranormal uh, instances of paranormal activity. Right. So, like, I thought that was kind of neat that it kind of picks him since he just like lost his daughter, more or less, or he's more receptive to it, rather, since he lost his daughter. That's also mean of the ghost. It's like, wow, that guy's going through a lot. Let me t- let me just show him that the afterlife exists and I was horribly <laughs> murdered and burden him with the uh, solving of my yeah. murder while he's trying to cope with the loss of his wife and child who for some reason are not ghosts trying to get to him it's like peanut butter and jelly dude it's a match made in hell yeah they might be on the side of the road there, just standing around wondering where dad went oh dude waving yeah they're still throwing snowballs <laughs> yeah. another accident in new york another snowball out of left field yeah. <laughs> Something happened. I couldn't open the door to the fucking phone booth. I don't know. So he has like the groundskeeper look at the furnace and the guy's like, yeah, well, you know, uh, furnaces, uh, they have habits too. It's an old house. Don't worry about it. And he's like, yeah, but it happened two days in a row at the same time. Like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's exactly what he says. He goes, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And then he slaps George C. Scott and walks out. (laughs) He's like, ah, it's probably some rats or something. Get some from your grandmother. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's fucked up because, like, George C. Scott is, like, he he goes horseback riding with Claire and then, like, has, like, a a, a vision about, like, his, his daughter and his wife. And he's just, like, sobbing at, like, fucking three in the morning while this banging is happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, again, again real rude of the ghost. Like, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interrupting the man's grieving. Can you, can you bang on the pipe on a night when he's relaxed? Like, come on. <laughs> They also do this thing, too, like with the horseback riding and Claire finds the uh, ball of his daughter. It's like all these things that keep reminding him of his daughter. Yeah. The ghost uses it as leverage, man, against him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then we uh, cut to that night. And like Tony was saying a little earlier, his students are there practicing uh, some music with him. So they go home and he's uh, getting ready to go to bed. And all of a sudden he's like hearing all these fucking faucets in his house running. Right, right. And he's just like, what the fuck? Why are there so many faucets running what's going on here like who's the asshole left the sink running oh the caretaker's fucking washing his hands leaves it on caretaker's going to take a bath and leaves it on on the fucking third floor <laughs> yeah he's like oh who, who, was t- who was taking a bath on the third floor i don't understand never even been up there why didn't they drain the tub <laughs> yeah he goes up there and i really love how this is shot because this house like you got to kind of see it but it's this three-story with these railings that kind of go up in a really thin uh hallway almost i'll say uh it's creepy Mm -hmm. and uh, he goes up to this bathtub and he unplugs it and then he sees this uh little boy's face in the water oh yeah yeah it's creepy oh it's creepy as hell and but then like his reaction to it is pretty funny because he just walks backwards out of the room and doesn't say anything (laughs) (laughs) into the camera like it's a good cut yeah he's not like oh my god Ah!" he's not like trying to help the little boy he's just like huh look at that a little kid I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. Hell of a thing in my bathtub. <laughs> so then we go to the uh, historical society, and of course we are in the MDU, guys. So naturally, the Babadook of the MDU, John Aston's there. Oh yeah. Oh no. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I wish he was fucking there. Instead, we have this creepy old woman. Oh, he's in the basement of the house, dude. <laughs> 
He's the one fucking with the furnace. Like waiting for somebody to come down and turn the fucking light on via skull. Yeah. Yeah, he's just standing there. For anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to our Mr. Boogity episode from a couple of years back with uh, Mac Curione. Lights up a fucking cigar, pulls the fucking lamp, disappears into the wall somewhere. Who knows? Yeah. He's shouting something about his brother. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but no, he meets with Claire and he's trying to tell her about it. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. That sounds kind of weird. And this is when the, the older lady is like, they shouldn't have sold you, sold you that house. That house got a death curse. Doesn't want people to live inside of it. Yeah. She basically says that. She's like, that house doesn't want anyone living in it. Yeah. Dude, that's a bone chilling ass line, right? Yeah. Like that house doesn't want people. No one's been able to live in it. But- and then you find out that she's the fucking, she's like, you know, in bed with the senator. Probably literally and figuratively. <laughs> she knows how to get him uh, going. Miss Huxley, right? Oh, yeah, she's getting it. So then uh, when she says that to George C. Scott, I love his reaction. He's like, huh. So there were some problems with the house. And then she just like walks away and just like leaves him standing there. And he's like, what the fuck? I don't know. Bye. He does kind of, he's just kind of the whole movie. He's like, huh. that was an interesting thing i guess i'll look into it slowly here's a fact i found out what do you think i don't know ghost boy maybe question mark ha (laughs) it's funny too because it's just george c scott is just such a great actor that even when he's being like really like whatever about a scene he's still like Makes it feel very natural. Oh, yeah, for sure. So then he goes back to the house, and uh, he's walking outside, and all of a sudden, this red fucking stained glass hits him in the back of the neck, and he's like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) It blows out from the fucking one window uh, in the house. There's, like, these two tower- In the attic. Well, yeah, like, there's, like, these two peaks of the house, and they each have a room, and he couldn't seem to find uh, the staircase to that one before. So now he's going now he's going through this fucking like broom closet like eh, and he's like, "Huh, there should be a door here but does not. Wait a second, I feel a draft." And proceeds to rip this whole fucking uh uh shelf down with all this fucking like china on it and shit and uh finds this dusty old room. And this is our second thing that the conjuring borrowed. <laughs> oh yeah, finding a missing thing, but like the conjuring it was a problem. They're like, yeah, I got to fix the water heater in the basement. It's like, but you didn't know you had a basement. How was your water being heated? Exactly. What's in the attic? He's like, oh, there's the Wi-Fi router. I kept wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to reset my internet and I couldn't find the router. I'm just thinking about with the conjuring. It's like if they never like went in that basement and it's like they keep getting like water bills in the mail, or, like furnace bill. Like what the fuck? Where, why are we getting these bills? We don't have one. It's so cold in here. I don't what. Mm. But the way they do it in this film is so much better than the fucking conjuring because there's actually shit up there that's like a big. That's like a big plot point, right? Oh yeah. Like in the conjuring, there's like four different fucking plot threads going of people who have like lived in the house that are still ghosts there and all that shit that are kind of I don't know what yeah held captive by the witch in that this is like uh yeah little boy died upstairs um and here's his little here's his little wheelchair and here's his music box and here's his journal where he wrote every day about how he was crippled and how his dad hated him (laughs) oh I don't know that the initials on that were uh, CBS, so I think C.B. Smith might have uh, time-traveled and left that there for George C. Scott. Oh, it's possible, man. I thought it said MZM. Or was it WZW? (laughs) Yeah, it's Alec Baldwin. (laughs) Pluto Nash dropped it off for us. The uh, wheelchair is, like, used for the poster of the movie. Yeah. 
Like, that's the thing they thought was going to be, like, the most iconic. And I, I don't know. I Like, the wheelchair is memorable, but I feel like the ball is more memorable than the wheelchair. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Oh, absolutely. Also, this movie's got, like, a terrible tagline. Oh, do we, Joseph, are you still here <laughs> or whatever? How did you die, Joseph? Did you die in this house? Why do you remain? It's like, what? What the fuck? Who's Joseph? <laughs> Joseph's the, the, the silhouette in the wheelchair. I think the imagery is really cool for the poster. The imagery is cool. The tagline's fucking stupid. <laughs> well, that's like George C. Scott's quest, right? That's his question that he's got to answer on the fucking poster. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know like who George C. Scott no. is or why he's asking <laughs> that question. It's just like, all right, there's a guy named Joseph and he died. <laughs> so yeah, like Joe was saying, he finds this music box mm-hmm. and the pisser is the song on the music box is exactly the same as this music he just composed days earlier. Yeah, I'd love that, dude, because he, his, he shows Claire and it's he's like, plays his recording to the music box and like syncs it up he's like i never heard this song ever in my life and um yeah i just wrote it is that impossible and she's like well it's probably popular for the time and he's like yeah but i i don't i never heard it do you get it there's a ghost kid he's communicating with me realistically the girl should be like man this guy's hitting the sauce pretty fucking hard and like I don't know why he's trying to get one over on me. He clearly just ripped off that music box. Like, what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's just so handsome. He's like the composer who wrote the original story. He's full of shit. <laughs> how many how many musicians uh, got a song inserted into their head by a ghost, and then they just never solved the ghost murder? <laughs> they just moved and <laughs> sold the song? <laughs> yeah, that's what he probably should have done. We got to watch the Paganini horror to figure out that one. I'm not sure. <laughs> Less people definitely would have died if he just did that. Well, to be fair, I mean, there is like, what, one or two casualties in this movie and they're both fucking scumbags, so that's fine with me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So they go back to the historical society and they find out that, uh... The house was, like, originally owned by, well, one of the owners was the Carmichaels, which is directly related to the Senator Carmichael, and um, they try to dig up some more dirt on the house. Yeah. Right, but all the files from, like, 1920 and before are missing. Yeah. And, that, like, that older woman that works there is being all, like, cagey about it. Oh, dude, Miss Huxley is adamant about being like, oh, what do you need those for? Nope, they don't exist. What do you want to know? Oh, there wasn't anybody that lived in that house that killed their son and replaced him. With somebody else? <laughs> what? Yeah, she's, like, doing a bad job of, like, trying to keep things under wraps. Like, she's so freaking obvious. She, you know, for somebody who's, quote-unquote, protecting this house, the caretaker of this house so nobody fucking moves in, she's doing a really bad job of it. Because Claire just, like, pushes the paperwork through, and, he's, and she's like, here you go, here you go, George C. <laughs> Scott, have this fucking mansion that I'm not supposed to sell you. <laughs> she was, like, off that week. She's like, oh, I'm gonna go on vacation. <laughs> I hope no one sells the ghost house. They probably won't. And then she gets back. She's like, God damn it. The one house they had to sell. In her in her 40 years of caretaking for that, you know, that she takes one day off and gets fucked. Yeah. <laughs> but then she also, like, gives them enough information to go on a lead. Like, she could have just totally made something up. They would have never found any information. But she's like, oh, yeah, this guy Bernard used to live there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, trying to throw him off the track. So then they go and look at, like, the old newspapers, like, on the reel. And they kind of track it down to a gravesite. Oh, the microfilm. I love that shit. Yeah, you don't see that in, like modern horror movies anymore nor should you but it's just like because now it's just like i'll uh i'll do uh what, what did jamie lee curtis or jennifer love you would do it and i know he did last summer a net search i'll just do a net search <laughs> of the killer she's got her netscape browser up 
Or whatever the one in Wishmaster 2 was called. That search engine had a dumb name also. <laughs> Ask uh, Johnson or whatever the fuck. Who knows? <laughs> so then that night, uh, John, he, he's like looking through some photo albums of his wife and his daughter. Oh, we do see his wife again. That's right. In a, in a photo. <laughs> he never speaks her name, but he, he looks at some pictures. He's like, oh, my poor daughter and that other one. The one I procreated with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What was her name again? Wife. <laughs> <laughs> so then he, as he's looking through these uh, photos, then the uh, his daughter's ball bounces down the stairs. Oh, it's great, dude. It's fucking creepy, man. It is good. Like, you don't think it would be that scary, but it, 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 it works. Oh, yeah. I like real subtle stuff like that, even though I was making fun of it earlier, but that's just me being an asshole. Because, <laughs> um, like, I, I always talk about, like, I like, like the paranormal activity movies just like the subtle like you just hear something whisper in the other room or a light turns on i don't know why but shit like that really creeps me out especially when i know like like when i'm alone in the house and something like falls or something I'm like all right i know i'm alone and that should not have happened oh yeah man oh my god you know what that made me randomly think of Years ago, like I'm talking like 10 or 12 years ago, I was home alone watching my parents' house. Uh, I got a random phone call on the answering machine and it was some guy like, oh, you're not going to pick up? I see you in there. And I was like freaked out for like the next week. Oh, Jesus Christ. Dude, you have never told me that story. Well, I just remembered it. Well, you also didn't tell me that you flipped your fucking car and crawled out the back of the fucking window, your back window, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's a story for another time. Yeah. I remember I found out and I called you and you're like, yeah, I, I, yep. And I'm like, okay, are you all right? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so this ball falls down the stairs and he's like all freaked out. He like looks in the in the desk and it's not, in the, it's the same ball from the desk. So he goes on and throws it in a fucking river. And as soon as he walks back through the door of the house, the ball falls down the stairs again and it's soaking wet. Okay, so what's the range on the ghost? Can the ghost just leave? Well, ah. we f we find out that that motherfucker has had some kind of expressway. Well, haven't you ever seen Casper? They travel through the phone lines, Tony. Jesus. Uh, I guess. I guess. But like, if that's the case, I'm like, wow, well, he could have solved his murder like <laughs> a long time ago. Just travel to the, just leave the house and be like, I'm a ghost. My killer's here. Go get them. You know what I think it is? I think they, he, you know, they can't explain, like, the ghost can't explain what happened. And just tormenting that guy probably wouldn't do the trick because it needs to be exposed for what it is. Yeah. Who knows? Again, the ghost can talk. I don't know. Write a fucking letter from beyond the grave. <laughs> to be fair, it can only talk if it's being recorded. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, you need the spirit trumpet. We'll get to it. We're almost there. <laughs> almost. <laughs> so, yeah. So then he goes to, like, I don't know, like an insane asylum or something. And he's talking to some doctor. Oh, yeah. And the guy's like, well, you know, 99% of them are fucking nuts. But that 1%, they're mediums. They're real. And he walks past Brad Dorff's fucking uh, room. And he's like, I'll see you later. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> that was an Exorcist 3 joke. Yes. Oh, okay. Exorcist 3. <laughs> so then he has uh, this old couple come to the house at night, uh, as I'm going to lovingly refer to as Ned and Elaine Warren. <laughs> Ned. <laughs> this woman looks like Miss Mac, dude. Go listen to that uh, Conjuring 3 review again to get the uh, Elaine Warren joke. <laughs> oh, I love Elaine Warren. She's my favorite Warren. Take a shot every time I say that and you'll be on the floor. Maybe the Senator drowned your baby. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to do a seance. Yeah. It's really good. I think this is one of the first... Uh, seances like on film 
that was done like this. And it was it's really fucking good with like the automatic writing and everything. Like a traditional ass seance, like, you know, channeling this ghost, the spirit. It's really fucking good and, and creepy. Yeah, I thought it worked well, pretty well. Yeah. They have this uh, that big metal thing in the middle, in case you guys were wondering what that was. That's called a spirit trumpet. And what it does is it, ba- it's, it basically, like, amplifies any ghost uh, whispers or sounds. Like, I guess the ghost is supposed to pick it up and be like, you know, use it as a megaphone and be like, hey, I'm here. Hey, I need help. <laughs> Wait, so... <laughs> So the ghosts need a megaphone? What the fuck? Ghosts are so confusing, and that's why they're not real. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it, it's it's just too many steps, dude. It's too much. It's there's there's too much left <laughs> on the table there. Too many caveats. I do like. I mean, I'm poking fun at the Conjuring and James Wan a little bit, but I like you said earlier. I kind of get it. But uh, speaking of James Wan, he also kind of uh, lifted this other idea with the scribbling on the paper. Uh, for Insidious, because in yeah, oh, absolutely. In the first Insidious, that uh, Elise uh, Lin Shea, she does that. I think that's why she has that gas mask on, and Lay Wannell's got like the headphones on, so he can hear her whispering. It's kind of the same yeah. thing. I really like the twist on that for the for uh, Insidious, actually. Yeah, same. But yeah, so they so they have this whole thing, and they're recording all of this, and and the the mediums like asking all these questions, like, "Who are you? Uh, why are you here? What are you doing? Who killed you? Did you die in this house? Yada yada yada." The producer hands her the poster from off screen, like, "Just read this." <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the poster. <laughs> this is the tagline. This is the moment where people go, oh, that's the question. <laughs> so uh, Joseph gets pissed off, I guess, and throws a fucking what cake, pla- a glass cake platter against the ta- uh, uh, the wall, and it shatters because <laughs> she's just not listening. I guess. I guess not, and that's that's what ghosts do. They throw things occasionally. <laughs> so uh, so George C. Scott is listening back to these fucking tapes, and he hears. The voice of the ghost. This is a really creepy fucking scene, too, man. Yeah. Because he keeps rewinding it and playing it back and rewinding it and playing it back. And, you know, you hear the kid whispering uh, his name and, like, help me, John, and all that kind of stuff. It's got to be the most realistic representation of something like that. Because, like, most movies, it's just like they hear it once. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's a ghost. But it's like, no, you would be re-listening to that over and over again, making sure you're not going insane. Oh, yeah, man. But then he has a, uh, a vision during this. Yeah. Of uh of this little boy, the ghost. Yeah. Being he, murdered in a in a bathtub. Yeah, he, he, daddy fucking grat now this kid is supposed to be crippled. Uh he I think yeah, he, he has some kind of degenerative arthritis in his legs or something like that. Okay, is that what it was? I forgot what the illness was. Yeah. And like especially for the time period, like the death rate was high for stuff like that, especially like at that young. Because it's like 1909 or some shit, right? Well, ni- 1909, the death rate was high t- for anyone. Well, yeah, no, for sure. I, o- I always joke, if you go to the cemetery from Night of the Living Dead, uh, when I went there, like most of the tombstones are for like babies and children. And they're all from like the same like two decades. So Holy shit, man. So if a zombie outbreak did happen there, it wouldn't be that big of a deal is all I'm saying. They were all murdered by their rich dads. Exactly. In a bathtub. <laughs> because we see this shit, dude. He pulls this kid's legs up, his, his legs that don't work, and just drowns this kid. And the banging that George C. Scott keeps hearing is is from this kid hitting the sides of this like tin tub that's like in his room. Right. It's fucking sad and creepy. Well, and George C. Scott has like a breakdown. Like he's just like overcome with grief. Like he can't believe what he just saw. But in the process, 
I don't know how he knows how to do this. I guess he's also a medium. He fucking draws like a bunch of shit on a paper and he's got like a name and a fucking date and everything. Yeah, well, again, I think the I think the the ghost wants him to hear him and he's receptive to that. Like I was saying earlier in the episode, like, you know, because of his grief, he's grief stricken and and because it's adjacent like child death. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it reminds me of like uh, Evil Dead. <laughs> the Deadites are messing with yeah. Cheryl, and she's, like, writing on the papers and stuff. Ace of Spades, Jack of Clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, remember, she, like, draws the book before that. Yeah, like, it gets into her hand. And made it bad. <laughs> so then he calls Claire, and then he, like, fucking passes out. I thought he had a heart attack. He probably did. Yeah. And they were like, just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. <laughs> this happens a lot. <laughs> Like, actually, George, he he did have a lot of heart attacks. That's part of the reason why he died. He had one too many, dude, yeah. Well, he had, like, water on the brain at some point just because he just wouldn't stop drinking. I don't know if that's an outdated term, but that's what they called it. Yeah, wet brain, yeah. Yeah, just like, uh, what's his face? The the guy from the Runestone, Sigvaldson. Oh, Sigvaldson, yeah. uh, I forget that guy's name. The guy from Die Hard. Yeah, that poor guy drank himself to death. Right. An MDU icon. He is. (laughs) The keeper of time. Yeah. But then uh, Claire comes over, and she hears the tape, and she's crying, too. And they're basically talking about, well, what the hell are we going to do about this? And then Claire's like awestruck. Yeah, and it just drives him to dig deeper, right? Well, no, she sees the uh, wheelchair at the top of the stairs. Oh, yeah, it comes down, yeah. And it like horrifies her. And it drives them to dig deeper into the house. Like, what the fuck's going on? Because they want to solve this this mystery. She's got wheelchair PTSD by the end of this movie. Granny's (laughs) fucking laughing somewhere. She's like, yeah, I got you with my wheelchair and my little kid story. Dude, she just wants to seduce George C. Scott. That's what it is. Can't say I blame her. She's fucking with him? Yeah, maybe. So then uh, we see uh, Carmichael. He gets this call from that uh, woman at the Historical Society and she's like... Yeah, the old Huck, the old Lady Huxley, yeah. She's like, yeah, you know, just be aware, George C. Scott, he's looking into your history of the house. <laughs> he keeps he keeps asking about it. Uh, I, I threw him off the scent, but they're, they're probably gonna figure it out. How much is she getting paid to go along with this whole thing? <laughs> Who knows? Probably a lot, I would assume. I thought it was hilarious, just the timing on this, but this guy in his office, he has a fucking Titanic, like a model Titanic in a glass (laughs) case, and I was like, son of a bitch! Tony, just put that fucking episode out. I know. He's the harbinger of doom, dude. Was he on the Titanic? Is he Was he old enough to be on the Titanic? He might have been. He might have been, right? He escaped on a fucking door or something? (laughs) Because the last survivor of the Titanic, who died like a few years back, they were like two months old on the boat, and that was like the last survivor. So. Oh my goodness! Well, we find out later that uh, this senator he might have been adopted, so it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it, he makes it. He, they they make it well known here that if if this whatever the truth is in this house, and if they uncover it, and if it gets out, he's he's fucked. Like he's totally ruined, and everything is going to go to shit. Uh, and this is where George C. Scott kind of lays this idea in his head, like his theory uh, to Claire at like this restaurant. He's like, they go, they do some research that leads him to this decision, but it does kind of feel like he just puts this together a little too easily. Well, I mean, they've been doing the research, and he finds out that like Car- the uh, Carmichael. Carmichael's grandfather or his father was at the house and Joseph had this is where we find out that Joseph had the arthritis you know the little boy the ghost had the arthritis and he was sick um so what they did was they told everybody they were he was going away to Switzerland for something to to 
to study or abroad or some shit, but they drown this kid in the tub and then they adopt another kid and bring him back from Switzerland like, I don't know, 15 years later, nobody's going to know the difference because now he's grown into an adult, right? And he could walk now. And he could walk. He's been cured. <laughs> yeah. yeah. George C. Scott keeps saying that, like, yeah, people just thought that was a miracle, whatever. Yeah, they, they got great doctors in Switzerland. They got those army knives. I mean, who knows what kind of medicine they got. Great bobsledders, too. <laughs> I don't know how they how this comes about, but they find they he has a vision, I think, of that well, and he finds the location of this well that's in the will uh, to their property where they fucking threw Joseph's body, and now a house is built over it, and they own the ranch or some shit, and it's like Carmichael's brother-in-law or something. Right, and and this whole time I'm just thinking like, so is he still teaching the class? Like, <laughs> this is like. At no point is he like, all right, we'll check out this well, but I got to be home early. I got got an important lecture tomorrow. <laughs> I got to practice. All the students are just sitting in the class and like somebody comes in and like hits a tape recorder <laughs> and it just plays like his piano uh, concerto. <laughs> all right, class dismissed. Like, is he in a deadline with this thing he's composing or is he just like, eh, he can do it whenever because he's so famous? He can do it whenever because he's, he's just a rich Composer. So everybody's, just, you know, he's just like, oh, yeah. You know, he's like a modern day fucking Shelly or, or something, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> getting fucked up in his mansion, getting drunk in his mansion. Yeah. Playing piano. Fucking Mary Shelley, fucking John Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Diddling a ghost. Uh, an old lady in a wheelchair, if you will. Yeah. yeah. So then he, uh, he basically schmoozes his way in. At first, the woman won't let him, like, come in. And then she will because she's like, well, you said this thing on the phone that caught my attention. Uh, my daughter, uh, three days ago, the same day you said you had this seance, she saw a little boy crawling out of the floor. And it was the most terrifying thing I ever heard her say. Man, she says, I saw a little boy. She, she says, uh, my daughter told me that she saw a little boy in the middle of her room. And he was super skinny and almost gnome-like staring at her through the floor. That image in my mind is fucking terrifying and the fact that she describes him as gnome-like that's even creepier yeah but also i'm confused so like the ghost hangs out where it died <laughs> but then it also hangs out near its dead body and also it could go to the river for a swim like again the range on this ghost is ridiculous <laughs> it's got some serious teleportation powers yeah according to the conjuring 2 <laughs> Ghosts and demons can travel through necklaces. So that necklace is at the well. Well, that's, yeah, that's even in the first one. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, the first movie, excuse me. No, the second one is like, hey, nursery rhyme characters exist. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the uh, the locket. That was going to be one of my other things the Conjuring lifted from this movie. Right. Yeah. We're, we're about to get there. Yeah. So she end up, uh, the little girl has another, uh, wakes up. She's sleeping with her mom. She wakes up and uh, she goes back into a room because I guess she hears the kid calling her. She walks in and the whole floor has been like broken out and there's just uh, water in this well filled up. And this kid is like looking up at her like, help me. Blah, 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 blah. And she freaks the fuck out. Yeah, he was giving Oliver Hardy a run for his money. <laughs> smash cut to them like ripping out the floor of the room and like looking for the well and shit and they uh and they find it so wait, wait, wait what year did the little boy get murdered what what year was that again 1909 something like that okay okay guys third you could have gotten rid of a dead body real easy in 1909 uh, yeah oh yeah you don't need a well you like no one's going to their house he could have built a nice big bonfire in his backyard <laughs> 
they could have chopped it up and like, you know, gave it to like a, like just threw it in the wood. Like you didn't need this whole well thing if anything, it's just going to preserve the body to be found later. Yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? Wasn't like burying bodies in your basement, a big thing. Why wasn't it down there? Yeah. Also there, there was a river just, you know, put a cement brick on him and throw him <laughs> over the bridge. Like the mob does. Joseph sleeps with the fishes. Yeah. Plant a tree over him. Build a fucking gazebo over him. Something. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, mate. Well, they built a house over him, really, when you think about it. I guess. Yeah, but they didn't fill in the fucking well. Fill in the well, at least. That's strange why they didn't do that. Because he's got a shallow-ass grave. Because Georgie Scott opens up the floor and climbs down, like, what, 10 feet into this well that's full of dirt and just digs <laughs> up this body and it's just there. Yeah. A bunch of people are, like, upstairs, like Claire, the owner, and the owner's son. And he just is like, huh. Hey, I found a hand. They're like, what? I found a hand. <laughs> Look at it. It's a little hand. And then the, the owner's like, all right, I got to call the cops. Yeah. And, I, I, it, and the cops, like, are just so nonchalant about it. They're just like, yep, we, so we excavated this body, and that's about it, in this little plastic bag. Hey, uh, George C. Scott, did you know who it was? And he's like... No, not really. And he's like, what do you mean not really? He's like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, Oh, okay, I'm Officer Fuck Me, and I'll just won't question you whatsoever again about how you knew a dead body was under this woman's house. Yeah, Torshi Scott, they should be like, what are you even doing here? Aren't you like a professor who doesn't go to class? Like, why are you bothering <laughs> this mother and child about their well, and now they found out... That there's just dead people under their house. They're never going to recover from that. Aren't you that famous composer? I read about you in the New York Times. <laughs> Can you sign my my LP record? But, like, nobody asks him, like, yeah, how the hell did you know about this? That'd be like if Yanni came to my house. <laughs> like, oh, my God, you're Yanni, the famous, like, composer and musician. He'll be like, I need to look in your basement. <laughs> I think there was a wrongdoing there. And I'm like, oh, okay, Yanni. And then I find a dead body, and Yanni's just like, yeah, that's crazy. I'm like, wait, Yanni, I feel like you know more more about what's going on. He's just like, yeah, I don't know, and then just leaves. Like, that was fucking weird. Yanni came over my house one day, found a dead body. Well, Yanni, Yanni didn't get the full scope of the story yet, you know? He found the body, and then he has to go back to his mansion, and then the, the little ghost boy will tell him the rest of it. First, he has to lie to Tony, and then break back into the house in the middle of the night. <laughs> Because, um, I don't know what. He's like, that's all that was in there? And the coroner's like, yep, sure was. So he goes, hmm, okay. Fucking breaks this this woman's door and, and opens it up and climbs down there. And, like, again, the ghost is there helping him find this medallion. And the medallion's the, uh, the big part of proving that this child was murdered and was switched uh, with someone else because apparently they, the, him and the senator, spoilers, are the senator is the changeling, and um, <laughs> they both have the same uh, silver uh, necklace heirloom, uh, uh, you know, birthright thing. Right. Tell me why they didn't just take it off that kid and give it to the other kid. Why did they make another one? Yeah. Why did they make another one? They were worried about um DNA match. I can't. In the 1909? Did the dad, like, outsource this fucking body removal? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he called the mob. He's like, I heard you're good at this. Do not, do not shame my, my people would have done a better <laughs> job of hiding that body. Yeah, that's true. You were just saying that. They would have taken care of business. Yeah. Could you imagine this guy going to an orphanage? Because this is what happened. He goes to the orphanage and picks out a new kid. But could you imagine him going to the orphanage with, like, a picture of his son and, like, walking down the line of kids? Like, hmm, hmm. Okay, you. Yep, yep. Come with me. You're adopted. 
You're the heir to my money. Also, your name is this now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that name, Dad. Pretend that your uh, knee hurts once in a while. There you go. Your knee hurts, you're this old, and you and this is your name. You're welcome. I also love how he finds the locket because it is a, that thing where like he's down there and he can't find anything, and then like a stop-motion effect of it coming out of the ground. Oh, it's great. And he's like, huh, okay. Thanks, ghost. Appreciate it. I would have been here all fucking night if you didn't pull that out for me. And then the next morning, he fucking drives to, like, the airport. And uh, before that, Claire's like, oh, he's never going to see you, the senator. And he's like, oh, he'll see me, all right. And he fucking, like, plows through, like, a gate. And he's, like, at the airport. He's like, oh, senator, senator, I got to talk to you about this necklace. Yeah, and then the, the senator's just like, fuck you, right? I mean, the senator looks so confused. He's like, what the yeah. fuck? Is, why does that drunk professor, <laughs> the musician, what the hell does he want with me? Yeah, get that fucking... That that wino out of here. Again, Joe, you're like getting on a plane and Yanni is just screaming at you. <laughs> He's like, Joe, Joe. And you're like, isn't he Greek? What's he doing here? He's shaking a necklace at me. Uh, Yasu! <laughs> like, okay, Yanni, I'll see you when I get back. Was, well, see ya. So then the senator, of course, recognizes it, but he doesn't say anything. Well, yeah. I love how he gets on the plane and he immediately makes a phone call and nobody's like, oh, that was kind of weird that he did that right after that <laughs> happened. <laughs> He's like, uh, give this uh, note to uh, Mr. DeWitt at the police station. <laughs> doesn't doesn't he like send somebody to to George C. Scott's house to like muscle him? Like, hey, oh yeah, hey, you better not fucking tell anybody about this, or we're gonna kill you. You know who this guy is? I don't know his actual name, but he played Count Baltar in the original fucking Battlestar Galactica. Oh, did he really? Yeah, the inferior of the two. Granted, that last season of Battlestar Galactica is pretty fucking bad, but. <laughs> Uh, I will say I prefer the newer Baltar. That guy's pretty fucking amazing in that series. I only watch uh, Battlestar Galactica 1980. <laughs> that sounds like something that would come out today, right? Like Battlestar Galactica 1984. <laughs> Look at it. It has a cool 80s aesthetic, but not really good. So this cop, he's like shaking down George C. Scott. He's like, hey, uh, you know, if uh, you don't drop this case, uh, you know, there might be an accident. You might end up in that uh, sane asylum that you went to earlier. I don't know. You might end up in that fucking cobweb-ridden wheelchair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> right. Then Claire comes in and starts, like, yelling about, like, something that happened, but then, like, catches herself in time. It's like, oh, ah, uh, oh, hey, officer. <laughs> I love I love how this fucking guy leaves, and the ghost is just now, like, George C. Scott's personal hitman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, so this ghost is okay with killing? Doesn't it like it doesn't it think murder's wrong and it wants to be avenged? Right. It's if it impedes its plans, it can't it, that can't be he's so close, Tone. He's so close <sighs> to the truth. That's right. So let's kill this motherfucker. I don't know what. Ghost bullet through the fucking window and then the car flips over. <laughs> oh my god. Back into the left, obviously. Back into the left, indeed. I was a little bummed, and I don't know what the budget was on this movie, but we don't actually see the accident, but we cut to this, uh... Actually, you know what? We see, uh, George C. Scott looks in a mirror, and he has another premonition. He sees the guy dead in the car, and he's like, what the hell? <laughs> and then Claire calls him. He, she's like, oh, oh my god, I just passed this accident. I'm on a payphone. DeWitt's dead. The ghost kid appears in the mirror behind him and, like, winks at him, like, okay, go get him, kid. He's taken care of. <laughs> oh my god. Well, DeWitt, before that, he's, like, threatened that he's gonna come back and tear the place down, so I guess the ghost is like... Ah, uh, uh, not today. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, so what? George C. Scott goes to see the senator again, doesn't he? Yeah. And he actually, like, gets in. Yeah, he goes to, like, his mansion. And he, like, basically just, like, tells him the truth. And 
So did the senator know or did he not know all the details? Like what was I think once he sees that medallion, he's like questioning it, but he doesn't want to like Was he too young to remember or something like that? Uh he's gonna put those two halves together and become the fucking shadow master now. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna become double dragon TM. No, but uh no, I think he does know. He has to know because he, there's so much writing on it. Like, that's the big secret, right? Yeah. And, like, Huxley's been in on it, the, the old woman about the house. That's why nobody's actually lived there. Why they haven't fucking demolished it, I don't know. Ah, you know? Yeah. Right, because the whole thing is that, you know, he killed his son because he had in his will from his, from his wife who passed away that he would get all this money, but only if his son lived till he was 18. And then he didn't want to take a chance on this crippled kid, so he murdered him and, and put the changeling in play. Okay. But to Tony's point, I don't know, it's kind of debatable in my opinion. I think once he sees that second medallion, he starts to kind of piece it together, like maybe he always had an idea. It, it could also be a thing where, like, maybe he he didn't know about the murder part, maybe he just knew the kid died. Yeah. Right. Because he tries to defend his father a little bit, he's not just like, well, you caught me. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, because George C. Scott's like, yeah, your dad killed the original guy, and here's here's my whole theory, and he's like, how dare you? He's like, damn you, my father was a great man. <laughs> I'm a good person. He should have been like, because if he knew, he would have been like, all right, how much do you want to keep quiet? Like, let me write you a check. Well, he does do that. And uh, George C. Scott's like, well, no, 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 this isn't a blackmail. He's like, I'm just, I'm trying to solve this case because I'm a, I'm a musician, obviously. <laughs> I'm a famous composer, goddammit. Me and Yanni go on tour together all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yanni's on another case. Yanni was the only musician I could pull off the top of my head. Like Next it was Yo-Yo Ma, but I went with Yanni. Yo-Yo <laughs> <laughs> Ma. Oh my god, dude. Yo-Yo Ma shows up. Joe, there's a ghost in your basement. <laughs> he, he shows up. He's like, there's bones buried in your fireplace of some kid that was murdered and bricked up. You're like, okay, Yo-Yo Ma, I'll look into it. Bye. Oh, man. Kevin Bacon's somewhere, right? Isn't he a musician in Stir of Echoes? <laughs> that poor girl. The sad thing is, if a musician came to my fucking house to tell me about a ghost, it'd probably be Uncle Cracker. <laughs> I'll say, you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll just deal with the ghost. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. You're like, oh, man, I I don't really believe you. And he's like, follow me. It'll be all right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the only Uncle Cracker song I can tell I know. Yeah, that's the one. So the okay. So this is this is it, fellas. He's the changeling. What's a changeling? You're you're asking yourself. Why the fuck is this movie called the Changeling? Well, that's exactly what happened. So in folklore, a changeling is uh is uh fey folk, right? So like if something was wrong with your kid, i.e. Um, or, or your mother or somebody, it's usually somebody old or somebody young that has some kind of debilitating disease, i.e. dementia or, uh, Parkinson's or, you know, they're crippled or whatever you can think of. Uh, they thought it was like magic. And what a changeling was, was the fairy folk had come and taken uh, a regular human baby and replaced it with one of their, uh, sick fairy babies. And that's what a changeling is. And horrible shit has, horrible acts have been committed where people, like, claim their children or uh, elders were changelings and then, like, burn them at the stake. Like, there was all these crazy fucking, uh, look it up, that's a whole other episode, but very interesting. Well, like I said, it should have just been called Lookout Ghost Ball. <laughs> 
yeah, I like that. The ghost in the ball? Oh, look out. There's a ghost ball. <laughs> so if the senator did know or didn't know, it kind of doesn't matter because the way he reacts, he's just the biggest asshole. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And George C. Scott's like, hey, here's the only copy of the tape. Like, look through it. And uh, if you get rid of it, I guess no one will ever know. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, I- I've done my part. Fuck you. Now you know that there was this other thing. <laughs> George C. Scott's just like, look, I just, I just need this kid to just let me fucking sleep. I don't really care. Just, I just need to. I got to get back to class. I got a fucking bottle of whiskey with my name on it. I got to go teach some kids about piano. I'm real. I still haven't finished boarding my wife and uh, daughter. <laughs> this kid really just threw a monkey wrench in that. So can you just take care of this? Ghost kid, so I could just mourn my dead family. <laughs> and then the senator's like, if you breathe one word about this to anybody, I'll ruin you. And he's like, okay, I'll see you later. I'm going home. Yeah, whatever, old man. So meanwhile, Claire, she's trying to get in contact with George C. Scott, and she can't get him on the horn, so she rushes over to the mansion. And uh, she goes in there, and the door fucking opens on its own, and she's like, huh? Okay. Yeah, the ghost is super polite. (laughs) Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I don't know why he, the ghost, like, invites her in. It's like, okay, now I'm going to burn the house down with you in it. Right. And it's like, wait a minute. (laughs) It starts fucking with her and, like, mimicking George C. Scott's voice. And she's like, John, John, is that you? This ghost is an asshole. Wait, so could could it be, like, the the killer dad is also a ghost? Is that something? (laughs) See, that's what I was thinking most of the movie. And then that never actually happened. So that's, I didn't really like that. It'd be weird that the ghost wants that lady to die because it doesn't seem to be really malevolent toward the heroes no yeah but she's she's also been helping the whole time right she's been helping the whole time she hasn't kept it a secret you know like she lost her job over this even yeah also it is a little kid ghost so the kid could just be stupid true and just an asshole could be like a bill mummy situation from twilight zone where he's like sending people to the cornfield like he's a little asshole oh maybe (laughs) so then claire she's going up the stairs trying to find what what she thinks is george c scott but it's just the ghost and then this fucking wheelchair starts chasing her, and I'm sitting there like, just fucking move out of the way or like knock it over. Instead, she's like, ah! ah! She's like running away from it, going down each flight of stairs. Well, that's what it is. We had this climax with, with you know, we we get to the fucking uh, senator and we tell him all about what's going on, and they're like, hmm, that's not that. I mean, that's pretty impactful, but okay. Now we're gonna have a full on haunting, uh, where the where the wheelchair chases people, it fucks up George C. Scott, throws him off a balcony and shit. Oh God, right, because he gets to the house. Uh, it'll be great action set piece. You're right. They forgot to like make their climax actiony so then they did the climax and they're like oh fuck uh ghost stuff happens even though okay <laughs> even though by the logic of the movie the ghost wouldn't be really trying to kill these people but right. whatever ghost stuff yeah like lights the fucking railing on fire and everything yeah it's good there's some good effects in this part too oh it's great i mean all the yeah all this haunted stuff is cool it's just unwarranted because all of these people have been doing is trying to help this fucking ghost kid the way i looked at it maybe it was like even though he did everything in his power to try to get this uh unsolved murder solved it was like because the senator's just like gonna sweep it under the rug the ghost is like well now i'm pissed and this is like gonna take everybody out yeah maybe it's his wife she's like you haven't mentioned me the whole movie you fuck (laughs) (laughs) who is this claire come here claire i'm gonna light you on fire yeah she was the one throwing the ball the whole time so this is where we get that full locket scene where it's like teleporting into the locket and uh although uh, real quick 
there was a funny scene, in my opinion, where uh, the guy's looking at both lockets and one of his, like, assistants walks in and he, like, chucks the other one on the ground real quick so they don't see. <laughs> like anybody would know. He's like, leave me alone! And the guy's like, okay. But yeah, so then uh, while the house is burning, uh, the senator starts getting, like, a premonition through the locket and then he's, like, in the house. Yeah. yeah. I guess, like, astrally projecting or something. I don't know. Actually, that makes sense. Now uh, Now it all makes sense. It's like Amityville 3. Yeah. When uh, Lori Laughlin is, like, projecting herself and uh i don't know committing fraud to get her kid in the college or whatever she did oh wait that was real life my bad oh, oh no. so i, I kind of love the visual of this though because it's the house is burning jorcy scott and uh the realtor they run out but the old man the senator he's like walking up the staircase into the attic that's like on fire around him yeah he he finds like the wheelchair in the room and everything and in the process i guess he can't take it or the ghost finally gets him and he dies yeah yeah well that's that's the thing like i i just put that together like the house sets on fire because i guess the the whole plan was to get that locket to the senator so that he opens it and gets transported to the house so the ghost can burn it down and kill him with him inside <laughs> question mark I don't know. It's a very calculating ghost. <laughs> so then Georgie Scott and uh, Claire, they rush back to the senators and uh, they're coming out with the fucking gurney and the body bag <laughs> already. It's like, Ooh, whoops, a little too late. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, he was an asshole anyway. Yeah. And then it just it just kind of ends. I love I love the last shot of this because the whole fucking mansion goes down and it's like morning time. But the music box is still intact and it's like playing uh, over the credits. I I, I really like it. I, I do love this scene too because then Claire, she turns to George C. Scott and she said, well, what are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to rebuild it brick by brick. Wait, why? He doesn't really own it. Wasn't he just renting? <laughs> uh, I was trying to make a Batman Begins joke. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I figured you would be uh, the expert on that series, but... Tuned in? <laughs> I totally forgot. Holy shit. Well, uh, Joe, did you know there, there was a uh, there's an alternate ending to this film I was reading? Oh, there is. I did not know that. This takes place in 1980, so there was this whole subplot where uh, George C. Scott was supposed to record this album uh, but since he was dealing with all this stuff, uh, Atlantic Records, who was recording the album, they were like, well, that guy's investigating Ghost. We have the studio open. So then Yanni went in and recorded his hit album, Optimistique, in 1980, which is his first album. And it launched his career. It all makes sense, all dude. Makes sense. He had a locket of his own, didn't he? You think Yanni's a fucking changeling? Probably. They were like, they're, they're, they're like hey... Uh, that that alcoholic uh, professor isn't coming in. A Greek guy. We, we the studio's <laughs> open. If you want to come in and record, yes, I am here. Let's do it. <laughs> and then the the movie freeze frames and it's Yanni. It's like, hey, I'm Yanni. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> and then it cuts. You know, fucking the Changeling two. Yanni Yanni returns. <laughs> yeah, I really want to remake. I really want to remake this movie with Yanni. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> so, so where are we putting this, fellas? Oh, on the shelf, for sure. I mean, it's it's a classic horror film. It's a classic ghost story. It hits all the beats. The ending is a little confusing because it's like, why is the ghost suddenly trying to kill everyone? That's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I like I said, I watched this movie uh, last year and I, I really fell in love with it. I like kind of missed just old, simple slow-moving horror stuff. Maybe it's because I'm turning into an old man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> on the shelf, for sure. I plan to watch it many more times. Oh, yeah, man. And, and you know, it's definitely on the shelf for me, too. It has been. It, you know, it's a prime example of how you can make a really great 
uh, supernatural ghost story and in it be super creepy, but also, you know, it doesn't really rely on spooking you too much. Like there's no giant fucking loud crashing noises. I mean, there are sound effects that are spooky and stuff like that, but it's, it, you know, the horror relies on subtle things. Like, we were talking about the recording and stuff like that. That is such, like, a powerful, creepy scene. Like, the whole seance scene uh, and the recording scene are, are, are amazing. And the ball coming down the stairs, which you've seen a hundred fucking times in other films. Yeah. It, the cinematography's great. The lighting's great. George C. Scott, of course, is amazing. Um, it's just... It's my favorite Haunted House movie. It's so fucking solid. And um, I love it. On the shelf, uh, indefinitely, for sure. And you know what? Um... It's more of just like a really good mystery than it is a horror film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now that I say it, I'm, I'm realizing, like, the only thing that's weird is that it's just some fucking musician doing this. And then I realized <laughs> the plot of Deep Red is also about a pianist. Oh, yeah. yeah I was going to say that. Who's like, oh, I happen to be walking by a window where someone got murdered. Now I guess I'm investigating it. And that came out five years before the changeling. <laughs> It's very similar in that respect. Obviously, the rest of the movies are very different, but yeah, that element for sure. But pulled in from that angle, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely plays like it's like a murder mystery at the forefront with the ghost stuff peppered in, um, and it's it meshes uh, extremely well together for sure. Uh, it's definitely on the shelf for me too, and uh, like I said, uh, once or twice on this episode already it was the first time I saw it, and uh, I'm kind of shocked I hadn't seen this earlier. What a treat, man! Yeah, I mean, my favorite ghost movie is probably still Poltergeist, uh, but this is definitely very easily slotted into probably the top five with uh without seeing anything else um different kind of movie but yeah i get what you're saying yeah for sure yeah yeah two two different ends of the spectrum for sure as far as the supernatural uh horror ge- subgenre goes right mine's my, my favorite one is uh ghost dad with bill cosby but <laughs> opinions vary i guess do you believe in our lord satan oh <laughs> uh, yes i do i'm gonna make some okay yeah don't kill me satan man <laughs> that fucking movie man one day one day yeah let's let's give it a few more years in between <laughs> uh all that it'll be a watch along right okay maybe um <laughs> uh, but yeah i i don't want to repeat too much of what joe and tony said but yeah the cinematography george c scott his wife is great in this uh pretty much all the principal characters are really good and just the story uh is pretty interesting it keeps you enthralled and you're always kind of trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen next and uh, i appreciated that and yeah the ending's a little sloppy it's a little all over the place but i do like that final uh scene with the uh the senator going up the stairs i really like that it's very striking yeah i'm definitely gonna have to show this to my girlfriend i feel like she would love that or love this movie too it's right up her alley because uh, we're both big Conjuring fans, as I mentioned. Again, go back and watch that episode over on Tony's channel. Oh, yeah. You can also listen to it, too. It's got a podcast feed. That's right. Oh, yeah. Wherever you get your podcast. Hackthemovies.com. Yes. Again, I'm going to mention this for anybody that missed that Conjuring 3 review. Again, go check that out. Wink, wink. Oh, the ripe reviews? That Conjuring episode, Justin Silverman, if you're listening, is still... Is still topping that Pokemon episode, and I'm going to just wear that. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing that up as often as possible. It's nothing personal against Justin, but, uh, you know, it's a little feather in my cap. We should all strive to outdo Justin. <laughs> we should, shouldn't we? I still love, by the way, like, for the year, uh, Joe's, like, only been in one regular episode for the year, and it's still the t- one of the top episodes, the fucking Master of Disguise. Why did so many people care about that movie? I, I do not know. I 
it's still kind of bewildering to me. They saw Joe's handsome mug. They saw That's what it uh, was. Pistachio's handsome mug, and they saw Tony's <laughs> handsome mug, and that was that. I think. There you go. It's again. You, you know why do you like Reese's Reese's pieces and and and, and Reese's peanut butter cups? Because they're fucking delicious. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's on the shelf. But yeah. Spectacular uh, Symphony of Spookiness. Um, excellent, excellent flick. Um, I'm sure you guys know where to find Tony, but Tony, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me, again, HackedMovies.com or HackedMovies on YouTube. I want to give a shout-out to Yanni.com. <laughs> <laughs> you can check out his newest album, uh, Yanni in His Purest Form. Uh, tickets. Uh, there's no real tour dates right now. Uh, but there is a mailing list you could sign up for. Uh, you have to verify that you're older than 14 years of age to sign up for the mailing list. You could join the Yanni community, uh, the affiliates, the street team, and uh, the OnlyFans. You know, there's news and, and then store. Let, let's talk about the Yanni store, guys. You got the Yanni uh, 25th anniversary of when he played at the Acropolis, which was like one of his hit concerts. There's a great, there's a great uh, Without Borders DVD. Uh, just a stellar website, Yanni.com. And also check out Hack the Movies and Talking About Tapes and Cast Oliver the Pod Monster. Send any uh, Yanni uh, albums that you want to get autographed to Tony at Hack the Movies. <laughs> no, don't do that. I'm going to get like 10,000 <laughs> Yanni albums. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, not that I have any interest in actually seeing Yanni in concert, but if, if he ever comes around locally, I feel like we got to like at least consider it just to put a pin on it. We got to pitch the Changeling remake to him. Like we need we need you, Yanni. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> we, got a, we got a script for you. I went to go see Yanni to try to pitch him on The Changeling 2. Yo, there's probably a lot of uh, ghosts in Greece, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was reading that somebody owns the rights to a remake coming soon, so we got to get in there quick. <sighs> Ooh. Yeah. Maybe it is Yanni. Who knows? Could be. <laughs> and uh, after you're done checking out all of Tony's stuff, uh, you know, Head on over to moviedumpsterpodcast.com and we we got stuff too. We got t-shirts. I'm wearing a book to the movie t-shirt right now. Oh yeah, we got all kinds of good stuff. We got Goro's Got Nards. We got that up in there. We got I'm, I'm excited for that shirt. <laughs> we got dogs from the dark side shirts. Uh we uh we got some other good shit coming soon, so keep your eyes peeled. Make sure uh if you're a patron, uh head head back over to that Patreon page because we have uh the Super Mario Brothers Morton Jenkel Cut Watch Along Replay you guys can check out. Oh my god. And that commentary track for Joe D'Amato's Deep Blood. Capping off this, uh... Mm, capping up this month with a sweet uh, uh, Changeling episode and all that good stuff on Patreon. So, uh, definitely go hit that up. And, uh, if you're listening to this when it came out, uh, join us this Sunday for our live wrap-up show. And if you, uh, if you're not listening to it when it came out, if you're, if you're coming to this a little later, uh, the replay will be on YouTube and Twitch, I'm sure. For sure. And, uh, thank, thank you to all the patrons and everybody that supports the show. We really appreciate it. We're not doing the list thing anymore because it's just too goddamn long. We're going to revisit it. But, uh, but thank you guys so much. You're all winners. <laughs> they are. You should do, hold on real quick. You should do what, uh, my friend Dick does for his, uh, Patreon once a year. He'll uh, go through the entire list of patrons, and each one, he just says, go fuck yourself to every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be like, Tony from Hack the Movies, go fuck yourself. Jim, go fuck yourself. And he says it to every (laughs) single one. He's like Chevy chasing Christmas vacation, like, fuck you, kiss his ass, kiss his ass. Kiss ass. (laughs) Uh, And we just want to thank you, Tony for coming back on the show. You're welcome. Thanks so much for coming back on and hanging out. It's always a blast. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we, we look forward to doing some other stuff with you soon. So that, that'll be a good time. So that's it. That's The Changeling from 1980, directed by Peter Medak. 
I'm Joel Scola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Yanni's biggest fan. Thanks for visiting the dumpster.